0: Drain. I was right.
1: obsessed with trash. Here I, I go, mentally ill. Everything is free, except the video that we capture of you. That we own. I'm an artist. One of the first great artists of the 21st century. Doritos bags look mad different. What, no Q&A? I'm a Podwellian. You know, I'm marking my pod. The internet straight didn't exist, <laughs> bro. Give me
0: brackets. Experimental film.
1: You guys are, like, my best friends. We love the Iron Cap! People start marking the pods. There's a whole group of guys who pretend to be
2: making special films.
0: Alright.
1: Cease to resist.
0: Give giving my, my goodbyes. goodbyes.
2: Drive my car into <laughs> the <laughs> ocean. Dude, I can't believe we actually did this shit.
0: Into the ocean.
2: I know. What's up, Packers? Ion 2 here. Ion 1 here. We're about to bring you our conversation with the legend, Josh Harris.
0: Josh Harris is an early internet pioneer. um,
2: Profit artist.
0: Yes, and a prophet of the kind of self-obsessed technophilic culture of today. How's that? Yeah. Uh, I mean,
2: the way we first came in contact with him was Andy Timoner's uh, 2009 documentary, We Live in Public, which, ironically, we came across in 2014 around the same time that we were throwing a party in downtown Manhattan. And much to our surprise, as we watched the movie, we realized we were throwing a party in the same space as his project, Quiet, We Live in Public, which is the subject more or less of the documentary.
0: Yes. And it was, and the documentary from 2009. So, um, it wasn't even like when we were throwing the party, it was a new release. Everyone was talking about it. We just happened to discover it the exact same time as we were using this abandoned building. And we were, it was the same place where this documentary takes place. And if you watch a documentary, it's so kind of shocking that, you know, that mixed with a personal synchronicity is just really wild
2: and you'll see and by the way disclaimer you should watch the documentary probably before w- listening to the conversation absolutely
0: um, before listening to this conversation this conversation will make zero sense <laughs> if you don't watch the documentary first like not, zero sense something
2: that was really fun was that they sh- Uh, set up a firing range in this bunker underground space in downtown Manhattan, and the person that was renting us the space that we were throwing the party in found bullet casings in one of the spaces in this bunker, which may or may not have, you know, been there for 15 years because the event that we're talking about, this art project, Quiet We Live In Public, took place in 1999, and we were throwing a party in 2014. So,
0: But it makes sense because it was... An abandoned building so
2: yeah there was there was was nothing down there um but just to give you a little personal insight into how we kind of why we were so obsessed with him and what you know there was just like a bizarre serendipitous thing that happened in our own lives that made us super excited to track josh down and have the following conversation
0: okay so we've told you now already you should you absolutely need to watch the documentary before you listen but since I know some people probably won't let's go over real quick all of the things that Josh has done all right so Josh
2: Harris is an early dot com kid who founded a technology market research consulting firm called Jupiter Communications in the mid 80s and he went on to found sudo.com which was an early online radio and video broadcasting website which was in the early 90s
0: And pseudo was, uh, it was video streaming, it was online radio kind of way before its time. It was, it was really kind of pioneering the idea of, you know, the internet replacing TV or becoming the main way that someone consumed culture. Uh, but all the while, while he was, while he was doing this, he was also throwing legendary parties in downtown New York, um, and they were—it was these kind of, this mixture of tech and music and—and and they were really, you know, legendary.
2: He was gathering artists and you know, people in the art world and tech and celebrities and musicians and filmmakers and everyone was there. We should mention Andy Timoner was one of the people who seems to have been at these parties.
0: And after. Uh, he left pseudo in the late nineties and he had amassed a fortune of $80 million. Uh, he started a project called quiet. We live in public where he rented out a, um, a giant building in Tribeca slash, I don't know. Financial downtown. District, yeah, and, true. and built a, a pod hotel, uh, it was a capsule hotel, as he called it, and there was art installations, and there was um, uh, this immersive environment. There was a shooting range, and and people came and lived in these these pods and these capsules. And there was the entire thing was filmed. There was cameras everywhere. There was cameras in the bathroom, in the shower, inside everyone's beds. Uh, there was there was a. And, Uh, an interrogator doing a psychoanalysis of every person who came in, uh, which is important because he mentions it a few times in the pod. Um, And it was, it was an experiment on, uh, you know, the creeping uh, take the way the internet was creeping in and taking over our lives and then how people were going to respond to just living in public.
2: It seems to be sort of like a predictive art project about the effects on the human psyche of the future and the way that technology would invade our privacy and our lives.
0: And after that project ended, after a few weeks, he immediately in 2000 started uh, a kind of continuation of it in a way called Just We Live in Public, which was uh, he had had a Installed cameras all throughout his loft where he lived. Again, everywhere inside the bathrooms, um, everything he did was broadcast live on the internet. And he he got a girlfriend who moved in with him, and their entire relationship was was played out in public for the internet. And there was a website set up with a chat room, and people were kind of commenting and discussing live things that were happening in their in their personal lives together as a couple, which was broadcast twenty four seven.
2: Which was sort of like a proto reality television concept, but this is happening in the year two thousand. You know, long before, sort of at the birth of when that stuff was reaching pop culture.
0: Yeah, and um, and uh, yeah, it references or it kind of predicts reality television, and also again just social media and and uh, you know the way per- perception and social media affect your. Your entire relationship and your entire private life.
2: And I should mention that the Truman Show had come out in 1998, and there are some Truman Show references in here, and I, you know, I do think that that was probably a big influence on a lot of what was happening, especially with the We Live in Public project, which does bear a lot of resemblance.
0: Yeah, he says, um, he refers to his girlfriend in this podcast as the Truman Show girlfriend, and that's the the girl who was
2: casting her for four years
0: yeah he he says that he had kind of started dating her because she fit in perfectly for what he envisioned this project to be that you know he's kind of implying that his entire romantic and personal life was in pursuit of this art piece
2: so yeah he did you know he was he had he had this tech career he had a party career and then kind of moved into these you know wild art projects and this is all you know 20 25 years ago and
0: uh yeah and uh but fast forward to the current day he doesn't have that fortune anymore and a lot has happened since and i'll leave it to him to kind of explain how that all happened but part of our uh, fascination with tracking Josh down and, and talking to him is because between H- quiet, his project in the film and his later project, we live in public, which is when he had cameras wired throughout his apartment, live streaming them on the internet. Um, he clearly was tapped into the kind of larger cultural zeitgeist and and mindset of the social media era which was still years away when he was doing this in the late 90s and and in 2000 so he clearly was you know really ahead of his time and tapped into what was soon to be the pervasive mindset uh, of, of everyone kind of just living their lives as if they're being watched 24 7.
2: Yeah, he's really engaged with this, like, predictive art thing where he's sort of showing us where we're going and how it'll feel and what it'll look like, you know, decades before we're actually there. Like, for example, his company, Sudo, which was sort of a live radio video webcasting website was that was founded in 93, and, you know, we're still catching up to live streaming being a functional, you know, that's that feels like a new thing to us in 2021
0: yeah he was live streaming video with pseudo in the like in the early 2000 in the 90s um before uh you know people were even conceiving that the internet was going to kind of take over how we consumed media fully he was already envisioning in the late 90s the internet like fully replacing tv and being how you got your entertainment and just culture
2: josh amassed a fortune amongst the early dot-com kids of the 90s. He amassed a fortune of about $80, 85000000 million, which over the course of throwing all of these extravagant parties in downtown New York and doing these different art projects uh, pretty much blew all of his fortune and has sort of evaporated into the ethos. But he's been quietly planning things that he shared with us, which are extremely exciting, um and as you'll hear him say five times throughout the conversation he is currently
0: on ice in vegas (laughs) and you know in 2021 in this weird time we're all living in we really want to hear some kind of prediction right and uh i don't think there's anyone better to tap into what's to come than josh harris
2: yeah i mean he and you'll see towards the end of the documentary, he sort of like disappeared to Ethiopia. Like this guy is like a fucking legend. He did all of this insane shit in like the the nucleus of like the cultural zeitgeist of New York and throughout the '90s into the 2000s switch, and showed us where we were all headed, and then sort of disappeared. But his mind has been going the entire time.
0: Yeah, um and again giving a disclaimer again uh if you're listening and you haven't seen the documentary we live in public by andy timoner stop and watch it first you won't regret it and it's, a, it's an incredible it's documentary. an incredible documentary and uh one of,
2: my, one of our personal
0: favorites absolutely like one of our personal favorites ever and yeah stop and watch now but um even if you have watched it sometimes maybe this conversation is a little is, is is a lot there's a lot of names being thrown around and uh you know it's, a, gotta it's, keep extremely,
2: ga- it's extremely galaxy brain
0: yeah but, but in the
2: best in the best way i think if you're if you're tapped into everything that he's talking about
0: absolutely and and if you watch this documentary there's no way you wouldn't want to hear everything this guy has to say in 2021
2: big fucking shouts to josh harris Andy's huge owner, shouts all the packers this is basically the original discord this is pre-dating instagram this is everything 20 25 years ago we talked to the dude who showed us it all josh harris you're already dead with josh harris are right, you ready for this shit yep now i'm nervous <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go here we go Josh, uh,
1: Ion, I don't. What do I call you guys? You is, is <laughs> it one or two people? It's
0: two. <laughs> yeah, it's two. <laughs> you yeah, can so call, what's the? You can call me Ion One and One him, and Two. Yeah, know, one Ion two. One and Two is good. So I'm, who's two? Yeah. Who's number I'm, two? <laughs> I'm 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 two.
2: <laughs> You're
1: number two or two? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ion Two. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we're here with Josh Harris, prophet, artist. We'll call you Josh. Or do you want to call us, should we call you Lovey?
1: You could call, it, well, it depends if we're talking my virtual, if you want to talk to my virtual self, it's Lovey. If you want the uh, uh, terrestrial self, it's uh, Josh is cool. Um,
0: well, in, in
1: general and in specific.
0: Right. Well, maybe, well, at least let's start with Josh. Maybe, we, maybe Lovey can make an appearance later. Boing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll start with the terrestrial self. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, boy, uh, Lovey was just weighing in with a whole lot.
0: Okay, <laughs> big shouts to Lovey. Um, so, what,
1: what part of? If you, I don't. I don't want to get into much detail. I know the drill, but what part of town are you guys in?
2: I'm on Canal Street right now, off of uh, Elizabeth.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm. I'm, I'm yeah. home in. Uh, I'm home in Brooklyn right now, but uh, we what part of record, Brooklyn? I'm uh, up in Greenpoint, Brooklyn.
1: Oh, yeah, I did. I did a year in Williamsburg and a year Red Hook and Brooklyn proper for a, a cup of
0: coffee. Yeah, oh, nice. yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, Brooklyn's cool, but downtown's still, you know.
2: Down- Is it? We're trying to keep downtown it, alive. <laughs> yeah. Well, weirdly,
0: weirdly, I feel like um, it's like on its way back. I, there was a while where Brooklyn was, you know, the main hit place. and i feel like it's kind of
1: when bushwick was big right
0: yeah exactly it was um you know it started to make its way across the bridge and and everyone thought downtown was just going full bougie and obviously downtown is way more expensive now but there it's it's still where a lot of stuff happens
2: well with with covid it's a little cheaper now like we were able to get this spot on canal street that we've been recording from it kind of feels like 90s or 80s or what i imagine those or hopefully 70s 70s yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> when it went bankrupt so yeah i mean that's that's what makes it ha- it's all about well you saw the, the last email i sent it's all about yes. the real estate right yep it is if it there is. if
2: there's yeah, you-
1: if there's squats in the east village then there's going to be a scene yep. and if it it gentrifies then you got you know that's i left williamsburg and what 2011 or something just because i ran into a stroller and i was like all right
2: yeah <laughs> right well yeah, i strollers think strollers all moved to brooklyn
0: i think that's yeah. part of what happens i think um well maybe the east village is in terms of re- uh residential real estate is kind of done and just totally condo fied but um i feel like lower east side especially chinatown that you still have you still have some you know, like Chinese families owning buildings. It's not totally bought up by developers yet. So there's still yeah, some kind of a feeling of a real in neighborhood.
1: Your teens and tweens and twenties, you know, you can't there's no place to go in the city. I'm 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 not yeah. there, but I get that I'm I'm pretty confident it's not
2: Oh yeah! Oh sure. yeah, yeah! Yeah! Especially, yeah, especially that, with, especially with COVID, yeah, like none of there's there's absolutely no.
1: Well, I mean that, that I mean yes, obviously, but I'm just saying post COVID, actually, you know where the, uh, I predict a uh, uh, an artistic pop up run in the retail spaces that are not that have been decimated like in, by yeah. like Amazon all yeah. over
2: yeah how about, i agree how about,
1: well, midtown i'm at fifth avenue or whatever
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean soho's completely desolate right now i mean it's all just empty buildings and especially when you get to try back up down where you did quiet like i mean that that those spaces more towards battery park like things are emptying out in a way that feels ghostly
1: that's good for business art business
2: yeah not exactly. good for business
1: business so more- you know new york a- goes through the cycles you know
0: yeah and we're also forgetting there's probably i mean it's still going to be you know the majority of another year of places not really making so there's going to be a lot more stuff closing still like we have we're not it's not over yet you know what i mean
1: well the real problem is that the idea of opening up a retail store that aside from you know daily supplies you know you go into Saks fifth avenue or whatever Luxury store is still open. You see the dress or the pants and you check the price tag and then you see if you can find it cheaper on the net. And right. exactly. why would you buy yeah. it there? Yep. Basically, those guys are paying for the, they're, they're paying for the, you know, to promote Amazon.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Amazon yeah. <laughs> or it's, like a bill, it's like a billboard. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that, that model will, I could actually, we'll get into that model change at some point. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah. Know,
1: that's the, all right. So, um, I, uh, do you guys have a starting point or shall I?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, well, just, just the intro just, yeah, I mean, I, we, obviously introduced ourselves to you, but yeah, like we discovered you via obviously the documentary, we live in public around the time that we were starting to throw parties in downtown New York. And we coincidentally realized that the space in which our friend was renting us was the same space in which you held. This. Well,
1: there's two buildings, 353 and 359
2: it was 353 yeah
1: yeah the good one yeah the 359 one. by the way i had both buildings on the lease the 359 space that were in the basement or the, was the former photography studio of matthew brady the civil war photographer
0: oh wow oh wow
1: go go real deep on that but isn't that cool i was <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy it was and that crazy got,
2: beca- yeah go yeah. ahead no, I was just gonna say that I, I don't even know how it's possible, but our friend had found bullet casings in one of the corners of the space, which we obviously <laughs>
0: connected to your your firing range. I mean that, that well, has to be what it was from,
1: or it could have been the Anger brothers, Mark and Matt Anger. Mark uh, passed away from cancer due to uh, he was a silk screener, and the chemicals got him. And uh-huh. then Matt Matt actually has a show uh, coming up uh, this month. Matt Anger. Sure. Um, yeah, so those guys are all into guns and, you know, and Alfredo Martinez who ran the, the, the range, the, the, you know, by the way, all, all those guns that were, they were blanks, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. Those guns uh, were all from a movie, the uh, guy who did a movie, re- rented movie guns. So those were all in major movies. Like Arnold's gun was in there from uh, Terminator.
2: Holy shit.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So people, you know, and of course, I asked for the biggest weapon that he had, like, so we're And I had the girl, you know, girls with guns firing, you know,
2: it's it's incredible. We, it it inspired us big time. Yeah.
1: Imagine doing that today. Yeah. Yeah. I know.
2: We imagine that often. Yeah. Um, and the
1: interrogation room, by the way, you know, I hired the, I hired Mm -hmm. a professional CIA interrogator and it was for business. We weren't, you know, you, you go in there, you, you know, we weren't, this, it was no artsy fartsy thing. We were, we were after you. Right. It was a challenge to go in there. Right. And that happened at every level. That was and we got to that point. And by the way, the what you're seeing in at Quiet, it wasn't we didn't just dream that up. That was, you know, maybe eight years of building up to that with a crew of artists. Right. The best artists that New York you know, I called the best guys and girls and in betweeners out. Yeah. That's, right. That's how we came to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was curious how long that, took, eight years. Um, so did we, did yeah. you start that when you were still at pseudo or did, um, that was well, so my st- first
1: party in New York was called uh, cyber couch and I was doing Jupiter communications, which is how I made my fortune. It was, it's a, uh, sure. it, was, it got bought by Gartner group and then went public and all that. And I just, that's, and I, that was the beginning, but in college, uh, I went to UC San Diego and, um, in my junior year, I got—I ran for programming guy or whatever. I ran for student body programming or whatever, and just because they had the budget to run the parties, and um, basically I was we, UCSD and UC, San Diego State. They, San Diego State had a, a huge lead on us because all the beautiful women tended to be there, <laughs> but we still beat them out. We were an engineering school. We ran better parties. Part of which was that uh, I ran into a guy named Mark Geiger, while well, you know when I was first starting, and we started putting musical acts into it. Mark was a uh, uh, one year behind me in, at UCSD, and eventually he ended up being a you know the, the preeminent booking agent in the world. And him and a guy named Perry Farrell invented a uh, concert <laughs> series called Lollapalooza.
0: Yep. Oh wow. Yeah. So
1: that's. You know, we were, you know, it's like, and, you know, Geiger, and we, then after, you know, we, and then uh, of course I ran for president of UCSD and learned about politics because I got in a runoff with the potential first black, uh, you know, president of any UC. Uh, won in the runoff by nine, uh, by uh, uh, like, what is it, 53 votes or something, 28 votes, but got disqualified after I won. And you're and, not going to and because what was the disqualification over? Yes. Well, it got me in my first time getting in national news. I was disqualified for being over budget. I had a $50 budget for the runoffs and I, I you know, I guess apparently, although I have arguably I was over budget by 93 cents.
0: Oh my god. Oh wow.
1: No more politics. Yeah, <laughs> right.
0: Doesn't mean you'll um, deal
1: with the politicians. But
2: right, you know, I don't right. do
1: the politics. just yes. to give you the just to, and then b- back to New York City. M- you know, when I when I started when I uh, started sudo, I got a deal with the what was called the Prodigy Services Company, which was IBM, Sears, and CBS, uh, ma- competing against AOL, which I guess is the predecessor of Facebook. Yeah, right. And they got by by Time Warner, Steve Case, and all of that. So um I started pseudo, I got a contract with them and uh I was at 594 Broadway and right on the corner of Broadway and Houston was 600 Broadway the DK and Y building I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember when Yeah it
2: had, I do Yeah
1: so basically Jeff Koons on the second floor Mark Kostabi on the third floor somebody on the fourth floor and then we had 5 and 6 we eventually took over Mark Kostabi but when I took my, the top floor of that space, um, I was paying uh, $4 per square foot, a 10,000 square foot space, $4 per square foot. So my rent was like six grand a month for 10,000 square feet on the top floor at the corner of Broadway and House. Wow. Which goes back to, and then once once we had that platform, um, we started doing internet. the first internet radio and television networks and all that. And that kind of ran the flow of the new york city talent through our space right and the first talent that i started with were the artists and basically there was a scene going on in williamsburg he- headed by jeff gomperts arguably mariano uh uh i forgot his last name for the moment uh, uh these jeff gomperts primarily who uh and basically i imported that scene into new york city And that's how we started. And we, and, and the cooler kind of the real cool parties are probably from 94, 95. And then we had to actually, you know, we, we, we made a name for ourselves, but we actually had to do business. So then it started becoming more, then I had to go back to kind of uh, like running a baseball team. I had to trade players and burn and turn people on a limited budget. And then I, and then I'm, Part of the business was i had to raise capital and then the reason i left was because i found a venture capital firm but uh, but they this is my second company the first one you know got was in what's called a series b it eventually went public and in that period um i, I um hold on i got to cover my bird larry otherwise i'll be in <laughs> okay. the conversation um um, the condition was that I displaced myself as CEO and they'll give me the money. And this may sound irrelevant, but it'll come in as we get further down okay. the route.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay? Mm-hmm.
1: So at that point there was a, uh, there was a day in time when, okay, you know, that's fine. I had my money, I had my money from my previous company, but there was a day in time. i i I walked out of 600 Broadway and realized that, um, no one who was doing anything for the millennium, and it was me. Yeah, this is like 19, early 1999, maybe late '98. And at that point, I started, you know, plotting and planning what you see in the film. Right, and so a sophisticated it's, process because I had to get the building leases and so had all these things all these moving parts, yeah, it's New York. I had a lot of moving parts,
0: yeah, exactly. and well, the thing that's interesting, well, first of all, it's kind of incredible that it came together that relatively quickly because uh, the actual uh, new year's, the millennium new year's was it was it was up and running for that, right.
1: Well, you know, I, had, I knew my crew. So Jeff Gomper, the hardest part was the capsule hotel and the, and at the, and at that point the surveillance. The rest of it were basically I poached off Mark Russell who now runs the public pub, you know, the public Joe's Joe's pub oh, yeah. the whole that yeah. whole scene. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was running PS122 and I basically and I'd done work with him, so uh, we uh, you know, uh, um, more than amenably, he we I he sort of allowed me to poach his axe. So all right. those guys that were, all those things like, you know, the the uh, the one where I tried to have the simultaneous orgasm with five, you know, I built, <laughs> yeah. you know, five people trying and I was lovey, kind of trying to boing it into the virtual, trying to get, you know, the orgasm into the virtual world. And that was the symbolic nature of it.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that was guy, you know, I worked with, uh, uh, oh man, I forgot her name, but I worked with one of his artists and then actually we we've been running that thing for six weeks and we only had one significant problem one night i was sitting in one in my pod and in the matthew brady building at uh i was listening on the on the you know my walkie and i heard the security guard i had a full security 24 six weeks because it's new york i didn't want any problems of course i heard i heard there was something in his voice so i ran over there and David Leslie had uh, who is uh, impact addict out of 122 a, a extraordinary artist had brought in the hardest core uh, hookers from the Bronx to do to dance or do whatever and he but it, it was you know he also brought in you know a free ride to Bronx you know the Bronx guys to enjoy it right, right. and it started right. getting out of hand yeah we stopped it 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 was cool but you know and so that way it wasn't you know we were that was part of the thing you know so that kind of stuff and then and then you saw alex arcadia's temple right yeah temple of arcadia alex i'd been working with for you know a few years and the thing about alex's thing was the uh uh uh, there's, a, there's an image up there of the, I worked with the art dealer, Leo Koenig, who was 20 years old. He was just a kid, but he'd been, uh, and I found him, you know, I, I don't know. I just saw, I met him and it, he, I knew he was the guy. So if you look at that thing, there's sort of a, there's sort of a proud boy kind of, na- you know, there's, I have a silver Nazi. That was Zero Boy, again, from one, PS122. He also dressed up as a, a World War II British soldier, um, so, you know, he had his, his things, but it looked pretty fascist. If you look at those images yeah, Definitely. <laughs> and then, you know, and Leo of course was Leo Koenig, of course is a German national. And right. subsequently i he tells me, you know, just in passing that his, uh, grandfather, uh, was, uh, the best that was, uh, Coco Chanel's boyfriend. And also did, uh, from 34 to 45, was uh, a direct report to Adolf as his uh, foreign intelligence guy.
0: <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. you know,
1: you see, you know, like, it's, it's the art game, so you have to go deep. <laughs> and for the interrogation, you know, I had a guy named uh, uh, Ashkan Sahahi, who I'd met. He'd been doing photography. I met him through paper, and I'd done... We had a millennium warm-up party at 3:53, and he had the back room where he had his photographs, and he took photographs of uh, people on various drugs like heroin, cocaine, or whatever. And then I had uh, uh, G- Gabrielle Pennebaz was serving her uh, her liqueur, which was uh, let's just say um, not particularly legal. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know.
2: I never, you know, I had it was stuff. absent.
1: Well, there was absence, but there was also something else in there. I don't want to okay. get into it. She's one of my favorite people—a beautiful woman, inside and out. So, yeah. Oshkon is now in Germany, um, but he—he he was spectacular. He was exactly the right guy for the part because you go into his interrogation room; and had the two-way mirror and all that. So, but you go into his interrogation room, and you know, he—it was—he knew to do it for business, right. So, So that's, I'm just saying that's kind of, these weren't just, I just didn't randomly show up there and say, let's have a party. This was, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, and then. You were very
2: specific about how you set up the the environment and like the narrative of what was happening.
0: Right. And what, and. (laughs) And then including.
2: Okay. Go
1: ahead. Go ahead. You're going to say. Well, is this
0: one or two, by the way? This this is one right here. Okay. Um, okay. (laughs) Number uh, one. Just just don't piss me off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um what it like i'm trying i just wanted if you could expand on kind of the motivation behind or just what you wanted to get out of the interrogations was it um were you trying to make the people participating in it kind of i don't know confront themselves more before they became you know on camera for everyone you wanted to kind of drudge up people's inner demons before and and see if they really could could take it was that kind of well motivation? it was
1: more kind of yeah but it was kind of like you know everybody had been there done that you know the limelight and they had the they had their you know i knew i knew him pretty well peter uh steve lewis by the way uh, yeah you know blah 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 i know steve the king of it all except his boss who Are i you know pretty with, well.
2: were you friends with nikki siano
1: no I don't know who that is actually.
2: Studio fifty four guy. I just no. That was before me. That was before you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, anyhow, uh, uh, the whole point is is everybody. You know, everybody's in the scene. I had the East Village drug pushers, shooters, whatever, and they'd all seen everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Until they got into that, you know, it's like until they got to start shooting machine guns or got into that room or in the pods watching each other and you know, you know, having sex and you know, it's like whoa
0: yeah yeah so
1: there's there's kind of like that you know the whoa factor
2: yeah there's yeah, like a provocateur know. element to like you've never been to this kind of event well or this right kind well of experience
0: well also especially because you know for, for people listening the, the you have to remember this was not in 99 this was not where you were looking at you could look at people and p- naked people and people in any kind of intimate state on your phone all day this was before seeing that Uh, you were inundated with seeing that kind of thing from everybody
1: well or to put it in more for me more precisely basically it was the it's it was the a dress rehearsal of the cage that we are now all walking into exactly right or already in but the 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 gate hasn't locked behind us yet now yes right Uh, my belief is the inflection point is 20 the fall of 2024 by the
0: way, wow.
2: Well, okay. What, well, what ha- wait. What happens in twenty twenty four? What's the fall? Uh,
1: the algorithmic cloud overwhelm. The it's the inflection of the algorithmic cloud overwhelming the human condition, or more precisely, uh, when Hal uh, won't op- open the pod bay door.
0: This has been just the beginning of our podcast with Josh Harris. Um, he's only getting started with everything he needs to say and everything he needs to tell you about the future. Um, Josh is a legend. It was incredible to be able to talk with him for this long. There's still somewhere around three hours left of this conversation. So if you head to patreon.com slash the Ion Pack, you can hear the full conversation. And if you've been listening so far, I'm sure you can tell you need to hear the rest. So patreon.com slash the ion pack.